in NET translation, it says the righteous by faith will live. See, what does that mean? We should live believing that we are righteous by faith. That's how we live. We live our lives. Say, I live my life believing that I'm righteous by faith. What does that mean? I'm righteous by my believing. I'm not righteous by my doing. Why does, you ever wonder why the devil attacks righteousness and grace so much? Grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Righteousness, right standing with God. We receive those gifts, those wonderful gifts. The scripture says here, by, uh, for if by the one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned through the one, much more, everybody say much more, much more those who, who receive, say receive. That's lambano in the Greek. Lambano. Like when, when Jesus was on the cross, he took, he lambano our sins. He lambano our sicknesses. Matthew 8, 17, he himself took. That word took is lambano. It means to seize upon, to lay a hold of. Okay, so guess what that word receive is? Well, I told you, lambano. Same word translated took when Jesus in, in Matthew 8, 17, when Jesus took our infirmity. So you got to take it every day. Take this, uh, not a little bit of grace, abundance of grace. You can't talk about grace too much. Well, you're talking about grace too much. The devil fights that because he knows that this is how you reign in life. So it makes sense th that the devil would attack the message, this good news message of righteousness and grace because he knows this is what's going to make you reign. An abundance of grace, of his fullness, we have all received in grace after grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. That grace just keeps coming to us through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? Reign in life. And when you reign, poverty doesn't reign. When you reign, sin doesn't reign. When you reign, sickness doesn't reign. When you reign, bad relationships don't reign. Thank you, Jesus. For the righteous by faith will live. Faith, everybody say faith righteousness. Faith righteousness is the key to every blessing of God. I just want to recap and, uh, because it's been a minute. Faith righteousness, that, that's the key to receiving every blessings of God. It's, it's the basis upon which God is able to bless you. And the reason why we need to receive this every day is because every day we get thoughts, thousands of thoughts. And the devil constantly, can anybody testify, will try to tell you stuff like, oh, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't act like that. 
You wouldn't think like that. Look at what you just did. God doesn't love you. Look at what you just did. See, the devil always wants to point you to you. You point him to Jesus. The devil try to point you to your mistakes or your failure and your shortcomings. And all of us have shortcomings from time to time. Come on, somebody. Failure sometimes. Okay? We all miss the mark or sin. And that's not the time to hold your head down. That's the time to believe, especially when you sin. Believe that the righteous by faith will live. The righteous by faith. You are the righteous by faith. Faith, righteousness. That's how you live. It's not your... It's not your uh, obedience. I was teaching on, on Wednesday um, on, on Facebook Live about something, and I got a hold of something, uh, Trace, I never saw before. Because people always talk, well, it's important to, to be obedient. We got to be obedient, obedient, obedient. No, it's about faith righteousness. It's about believing right. And so what I saw and I was teaching about the children of Israel and how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And uh, I stumbled on a verse. And, uh, and I, I, I have been teaching, well, I teach it from time to time, that the obedience that the New Testament talks about is the obedience of faith. You know, people want to harp on, well, you got you to gotta obey God. <laughs> Almost in an intimidating tone. I mean, it's, you you got to obey God. Have you been obeying God? Well, the, <laughs> you know, pump the brakes now on that because the obedience that the Bible talks about in the New Testament, and I don't have time to get off deep into this, but is, is the obedience of faith. And I, I, this is the scripture that I stumbled on. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, where it talks about rest, and that's what I was teaching on. Man, I wish, wish I had time to go there right now. But <clears throat> you can go to my Facebook page and, and check it out because the, the, um, the land, the promised land in the Old Testament that Joshua led the children of Israel into was a, uh, a piece of property. It was real estate, the land of Canaan. But in the new covenant, our promised land is rest. Resting in the finished work of Jesus. All right. That's a whole message in and of itself. Now, it talks about, now why didn't the children of Israel under Moses enter the promised land? Joshua and Caleb were the only adults that were allowed to go into the promised land. How, how come they didn't go in through Moses is, is because... They were afraid. They let fear set in, right? Uh, they, they were afraid of the giants. Joshua and Caleb said, let us, man, come on now. Don't fear them. 
Let us go up at once and possess it. We're well able to overcome it. But they, they wandered in, in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't go up and possess what God had already given it to them. It was God's will. They just didn't go and take it. All right? And the Bible called, see, they, they didn't enter in because of unbelief, and the Scripture calls it evil. An evil heart of unbelief. And I stumbled on this verse in chapter 4 where it says, since therefore... Hebrews 4, 6, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. Now it's talking about us entering into rest. Oh, man. I don't even want to finish that till I, let me, let me drop down to verse 9. <clears throat> there, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. See, no more working to get God's acceptance. See, when, when, you, when you enter rest, you stop working to try to do what Jesus has already accomplished for you. You, you, you stop worshiping. See, you cease from your works. Wait, wait, Pastor, you said we, we need to worship. Hold, hold on. We stop working, excuse me, we stop worshiping to get God to be pleased with us. We worship because he's already pleased. We stop, we, we stop working to get God to accept us. We cease from working to get God to accept us. Because we know we're already accepted in the beloved. We stop working to try to qualify for God's blessings. We realize that we're qualified in Christ, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. We're qualified for every single blessing. So your healing is not based on your obedience. It's the obedience of faith. We go right back to faith righteousness. So now verse 6, now you're ready for this. Thank you, Lord. See, this is, see, man, it's, it's hard for me to get off of this. But there remains a rest. Are you resting or are you working? When you work, God rests. But when you rest, God works. I'm preaching here. Okay, so. Verse 6 says, Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it first preached did not enter because of disobedience. So what's the revelation? What's the opposite of obedience is disobedience. What was their disobedience? Unbelief. So their disobedience was a lack of faith. They didn't believe. Their, their disobedience is what is they didn't believe. So obedience in the new covenant, guess what? So if we're, if we're to, if there remains a rest, and those to whom it first preached didn't enter because of disobedience. How do we enter rest? By obedience. What's the obedience? <laughs> I 
the obedience of faith. That's all required, this is required of us. The, the, the disciples said, Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? Believe. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Woo, man. Just believe, man. Jesus took all of our sin upon himself. We'll get into that later. I was playing golf with a guy, uh, Lee Murphy. And they would, man, they would talk scriptures on the golf course. It was a funny thing, man. Those guys, he and some other guys, they would talk like when they would putt. And they'd get a long putt. They would say, Lord, this is not, this is not for me, but for the doubters. <laughs> Now, one of, and sometimes they take scripture out of context. It was funny anyway. Uh, Lee would be on the tee. He'd say, okay, Greg, you know Lee Murphy? <laughs> Talk all kind of stuff, man. He's, and I think he did it to relax himself. He said that um, Jesus said to the disciples, he's on the tee. Jesus, Jesus said to the disciples, what you going to do for me? Now, i got to set this up for you because for, for the non-golfers, like there's a, there's a fade and then there's a draw. You can hit a straight shot or a fade or a draw, okay? So he wanted to hit a draw shot. So he said, Jesus asked the disciples, what you going to do for me? The, the disciple says, I'm going to lift you up, Jesus. He said, I'll draw. I tell you what, I, boy, I, I was so excited when I found out what that scripture meant. And if you look at the context, it's talking about the judgment of this world. It's not talking about when you lift up the name of Jesus, you know, he'll draw people. It, 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 no, the context was when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he'll draw all judgment to himself. said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. It's easy to see when you read the context of that. But anyway, okay, that's just a little side journey. I won't, call, I won't charge you nothing for that. Okay, so we need to proclaim that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, especially, as I said, when, especially when you sin. Because this is what keeps a lot of people away from God, this incorrect teaching that God is mad at you. He's disappointed in you when you sin. God, as my book says, is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And you need to know that you can come boldly to the throne of grace when, when you sin. I mean, we should encourage one another. That's why the Bible says confess your faults one to another. Not confess your sin to God. Confess your faults one to another. Why? So that we can encourage one another and say, you know what? Even though you sin, 
you are still the righteousness of God in Christ. All right. Righteousness is a gift. I'm just highlighting some of these main points and adding a whole lot of commentary that I didn't intend to, but praise God, this stuff's good for us. Righteousness is a gift you receive. It's not earned. Oh, now, now listen to this statement. Today, because we're not under the law, we're under grace. If there is a lack of blessing in your life, it is not because of a lack of devotion or commitment or a lack of holiness. It's because of a lack of belief. about believing. Okay? Now, we talked about faith deals with the unseen. We don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporary, the things which are not seen are eternal. Thank you, Lord. Faith brings into existence would already exist in the invisible realm. Now, you're blessed because you're righteous and you're entitled to all the blessings of God. So, it's, under, it, it, it's important for us to know that we are to, well, how, how come I'm not experiencing these blessings? Well, are you speaking them? The spirit of faith, okay, now, now we're righteous because of what? Our believing, right? We're entitled to all the blessings. How do we receive these blessings? We receive these blessings by faith. And the spirit of faith is believing and speaking. Are you speaking what God says you have? Thank you, Lord. We looked at the example of David. Actually, that's where Paul, when Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.13, we have the same spirit of faith, he's quoting David. We talked about David and how he spoke what he was going to do to Goliath. We talked about um, Abraham, how God changed his name to Father of Nations. Every time somebody says something, called his name. When, when Sarah said, Abraham, take out the trash. She said, <laughs> she said Father of Nations, take out the trash. Father of Nations, fix the, uh, fix the dishwasher. Well, I don't suppose they had dishwashers then. But uh, every time his name was called, it built his faith. Strengthen his faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, uh, Ab oh, excuse me, um, Sarah's name means princess. And boy, was she fine. At 90 years old, two kings wandered. Not because of her inward beauty. She was fine, man. Because, see, she gave strength to conceive. You know, she, God, 
man, caused her to be beautiful. Thank you, Lord. At 90 years old, have a baby. Back to David, when he faced Goliath, he didn't go by what he saw. The, the big giant. And then his own, he didn't look at himself, at his small physique, his limited, limited skills. See, what kind of giant are you facing? What are you looking at? Are you like the children of Israel? That you're a grasshopper in your own sight? No, see yourself the way God sees you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So, so speak what you believe. Have the spirit of faith. We believe and therefore spoken. 2 Corinthians 4.13 that I talked about. We believe and therefore spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What do you believe? You believe you're healed? Do you believe that you're prosperous? I heard about one popular minister. Man, I tell you, you, you almost don't want to read the news anymore, even Christian news. I, I, saw, I went to a Christian news site that I, I hardly ever go to. And uh, they're talking about some popular minister renounced the prosperity gospel. I renounce it too. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, there, there is no such thing as a prosperity gospel. No such thing as a healing gospel. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that package, it includes prosperity. It includes healing. Come on. No prosperity gospel. I mean, people... Love to put these sensational headlines and things like that. I could care less what you're renouncing and all that kind of stuff. So, God wants you blessed. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. Listen to that. My iPad and my phone respond. We got so many things that hears our voice. The TV, speak to the remote. You can ask, you know, Google Home, and, right? Amazon Alexa, you say, Alexa. Huh? Even those Androids you can talk to. Can't you? The Android answer you? Huh? Your car. Huh? Right? I just said, hey, Siri, and the thing started talking. One time, I don't even know why, it just activated. All these devices listen to it. Isn't that amazing? The kingdom of God is voice activated. <laughs> ah, yeah. Ah, voice activated. What are you speaking over your life? Well, I never will get these bills paid. The kingdom of darkness is also voice activated. You know, I never will be healed. I never will amount to anything. They told me I was slow in the third grade. It's amazing how many, how many of those things can have an effect on you if you don't deal with them. Things that teachers said about you. 
for school teachers, you all have a tremendous responsibility. Don't, oh man, don't get me off on that. Just talk about all these bad kids. That kid's so bad. They're just bad. And then when a, when a, when a child, this, and this happens in the school system, a child gets transferred to, from one system, to uh, one school to another, <coughs> and their reputation precedes them, they already start looking at them like, okay, we got a problem coming over here. <laughs> and they start dealing with them like a problem. And see, a lot of these, these teachers don't have an understanding of the negative effect that stuff like that has on these kids. Well, let me just talk about darkness for a minute. I, uh, somebody mentioned this, and, and I, I, I want to I respond to it. Um, the world is going to get, don't be alarmed, the world will get worse and worse. The world will get darker and darker. This, the, the shootings and the mass shootings and things like that. And, and it's going to get bad. Well, Pastor, you don't sound like a faith person to me. Well, <coughs> that's just in time stuff, okay? The good news is that ain't us. And the darker, it, when does light shine the brightest? The darker it gets, we, the church, stands out. We are light. We'll stand out even more. We get, we just, we are the, the, man, we are the light of the world. Man, I'm all over the place today. Get back over here. Kingdom of, kingdom of God's voice after that. And I got seven minutes to deal with this here. Now, if you believe right, you'll live right. People talk about, well, what about sin? It's canceled. Sin is not an issue with God. Believe right and break free from the power of sin. If you believe right, you'll live right. And you'll break free from the power of sin, and sin will not reign over you. Um, here's a misconception. Believing in righteousness by faith will give people a license to sin. Or... If you talk about grace too much, or what people call the grace message, it's really the gospel, but they think that that's going to give people a license to sin. And I'm going to read something to you. Let's see if I can bring it up real quick. But we'll jump over here to, to um, sixth chapter of Romans. And just as, come on now, that's not it. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Ah, I got it. I got it. Thank you, Lord. Um.
Yeah, see, people come against, against the grace message because they think that they believe it encourages people to sin. If, if they think, well, if you pre preach too much grace, you know, people are going to set world records in sinning. But actually, that's not true. It's when you preach the law. And the, see, see, the law gives strength. The word strength is dunamis. It gives strength to sin. Actually, preaching the law is what releases people to start sinning. But we're not under the law. See, sin, it's the opposite of what people think. Sin, Romans 6.14 says, sin will not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. When you're under grace, sin is not going to dominate your life. Say, I'm under grace. When you're under grace, sin's not going to dominate. So the opposite of that is true. See? Sin will have dominion over you when you're under the law. See, it's the opposite of what people think. And um, as we go through Romans 6, I, I want you to notice something. Uh, well, you can look it up for yourself, but there's 17 times in Romans chapter 6 that the word sin is mentioned. Only one time it's a verb. Going back to elementary English, the verb is like it's an action, something you do. A, a, a noun is a person, a place, or a thing. Isn't that right, Marge? Okay, so when you think, because a lot of times the way people read the Bible, the way most people read the Bible is like if they're reading sin 17 times in Romans 6, they think that it's talking about sinning, a verb. But it's talking about sin a noun except one time. Only, only in the 15th verse is sin a verb. Interesting, isn't it? I said interesting, is, isn't it? And this sin a noun, this thing, has no dominion over us. And we have no sin nature. We have a a righteous nature. We're created according to God in true righteousness and, and holiness. Now, here's what Mar Martin Lloyd Jones said. He's passed away a long, uh, long time ago, but uh, I think he was um, like a preacher out of London or somewhere. But 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 he he was very very popular preacher. Okay, where to go? Come back here. And where Paul said in 6.15. Now, here, out of the 17 times, here's the only time that sin is a verb, talking about sinning. Is the 15th verse. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Guess what? I ain't going to finish this today. But let me... Uh, <laughs> What else is new? Okay, so what then, see, Paul knew what they were thinking. He, he said, shall we sin because we're under the law, or, or excuse me, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Paul says, certainly not. First of all, you're not, you know why? You're not going to sin as, as a lifestyle because it's not your nature. Your want to is changed. You don't have to try to, to stay out of, well, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. 
I mean, stop saying silly things to people. Like when you greet people, you staying out of trouble? I mean, what? What about just hi? First verse, same thing. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, Paul knew what they was thinking. Now watch this. Here's how you, here's how you evaluate where you, whether you're really preaching the gospel. And here's what I'm quoting from. Come back over here. Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He said, the true preaching of the gospel of salvation by grace alone always leads to the possibility oh my gosh voice activated the true preaching of the gospel of salvation by grace alone always leads to the possibility of this charge being brought against it there's no better test as to whether a man is really preaching the New Testament gospel than this, that some might misunderstand it and misinterpret it, that it really amounts to this, that because you, you are saved by grace alone, it does not really matter at all what you do. You can go on sinning all you like because it will redound all the more to the glory of grace. That is a very good test of gospel preaching. If my preaching of the gospel does not expose it to that misunderstanding, then it is not the gospel. Let me show you what I mean. If a man preaches justification by works, no one would ever raise the question. If he says, I want you to go to heaven, but you must stop committing sins, Live a life filled with good works and keep this up regularly and consistently until the end. Then you will be a Christian and go to heaven when you die. Obviously, no one will accuse a man who preached like this of saying, let us continue in sin that grace may abound. But every preacher who preached the gospel has been accused of this. They have been accused of uh, antinomianism, which means basically against the law. I would say to all preachers, if your preaching of salvation has not been has, has not been misunderstood in this in that way, then you had better examine your sermons again. And you had better make sure that you are really preaching the salvation that is proclaimed in the New Testament to the ungodly, the sinner, to those who are dead in trespasses and sins, to those who are the enemies of God. There is a kind of dangerous element about the true presentation of the doctrine of salvation. Pretty deep, huh? Okay. Um, while we're while we're at it, let's let's talk about another 
another old preacher. Anybody ever heard of uh, Charles Spurgeon? Because and, and I, I want to bring this up because pe see, people think that this is uh, this grace is is new. It's some kind of new teaching. Okay, no, it's nothing new. First of all, Paul preached it. Jesus introduced it. I mean, Amen. So, I was uh, reading out of his. He's got a morning and evening uh, devotional. And here's what he said about new covenant living. Y'all get anything out of this? All right. Let's scroll back in here. Thank you, Lord. He's got a, e a morning reading and an evening reading. For what he wants to do. Let's give God praise right now. Thank him for grace. Thank him for righteousness. All because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? Man, he has some really good stuff to say about. If I can't find it real quick, we'll get to it uh, next week. Because, see, Spurgeon was a grace preacher. Thank you, Lord. Every hip out of that for 